Welcome to the Dream for Others podcast. I'm Naomi Arnold, an award-winning business and life passion coach, writer, speaker, and human rights activist. This show features inspiring conversations with those who use their platform, passions, and uniqueness to make a difference in the world. If you are big-hearted, open-minded, a lifelong learner, and are on a mission to help create a better world, this is the podcast for you. Now let's get started and dream for others. Today I am excited to have my personal business coach and mentor, Lena West, on the Dream for Others podcast. Lena shows women entrepreneurs how to discover their inner CEO and leverage that knowledge to build a business that loves them back. She is also the creator of the CEO DNA method, a personalized inventory that supports women entrepreneurs to determine their most effective business model and marketing strategy based on their work style, unique energetic blueprint, strengths and archetypes. And CEO DNA is accurate, highly accurate. I personally believe that her CEO DNA method can also be applied to our efforts to dream for others, make a difference and contribute to change. This is in part why I wanted to chat with her on the podcast, because I have a sneaking suspicion that she will have so much insight to offer on how we can make a difference in our own unique way, regardless of whether we're entrepreneurs or not. Now, before I launch into the interview, I want to encourage you to press pause on this recording and go to our website at archetypes.com. Then complete the little online quiz and discover what your main archetypes are. Write those down, write the percentages down, and then come back and hit play. Reason being, I'm going to be talking with Lena about this quiz in particular and the insight that it can offer into finding your way to contribute to making a difference. So if you do that, you will be able to relate to this interview a little bit more, especially that part, and have some context there. So please hit pause, go to archetypes.com and then come back and press play. I'll also put that link in the show notes if you have trouble finding it. Okay, let's do this. Let's grill Lena on Dreaming for Others. Hi, Lena. Thank you for joining me on the Dream for Others podcast. Hi, Naomi. Thank you so much for having me here and asking me to be here. I'm so excited. I'm at my standing desk bouncing around because, as you know, I'm a huge fan of you and your work. So I feel very lucky to get to interview you again in this context. We're in the Mutual Admiration Society. I am excited too. I can't wait. Aww. <laughs> Love it. So my first question, I'm going to jump straight in so I can make the most yes. of the time that I have with you. My first question is for those who don't get to talk to you every other week like I do <laughs> and who might not be familiar with you and your work. Could you let us know a little about yourself and your passions and what you do? Sure. I am a business growth coach for women entrepreneurs. I am extremely passionate about the ability of entrepreneurship to awaken and strengthen agency within women. And I am also passionate about women's agency in general. And I always like to say with my clients, one of the major things that I believe I help them do, and they've said this to me as well, is I help them get out of being a business owner and into the CEO seat in their businesses. And I think a lot of times when we hear CEO, we think old white guy. And I am wanting to let us take that term back and let us each individually define what CEO means for us and then leverage that to build businesses that love us back. And so that's what I do. It's why I wake up every single morning. It's what I'm most passionate. It's what I'm most passionate about. And I could speak about women's entrepreneurship till the cows come home, literally. <laughs> and you probably have in the past. <laughs> yes, I have. You are right. <laughs> and part of that, from what 
I've experienced is helping them really identify what is unique about them and their Eunus and then harnessing that, I guess, in, in their role as a CEO and in their life as well. So I'm curious if you can share with some of the listeners some of the ways that you do this. Like how do you help people get to know themselves more fully? Well, one of the first things that I do with the women that I work with is I will have them take a battery of assessments. And that doesn't mean like 10 assessments. It's a curated three or four that I ask my new clients to take. And what it does is it allows me to get a really just hone in and get really pinpointed around their energetic blueprint. Because I don't want them to be building a business that's based on my interpretation of who they are, right? My lens, I want them to be building a business that's based on who they truly are. And the assessments that I've selected range from, you know, archetypal to some uh, human design things. Um, And so it gives me a really good idea of, oh, this is who this person is at their core. When we strip away society, when we strip away all of the other isms, when we strip all of that away, this is who this person is. So based on me knowing that, I can then say, okay, here are some suggestions on how you need to be leading, you know, and it's different for every client. And what ends up happening is when they, I call that whole process, the CEO DNA, and it's really getting to the DNA of who you are as the CEO of your business. And it's been my experience that when women go through that CEO DNA session with me, what they then realize is the thing that they thought was a preference, the thing that they thought was an idiosyncrasy or them being too sensitive or not sensitive enough or whatever label we want to give it, that thing is not really just a preference. It is part of who they are. And so they've then got to learn, how do I integrate this and make this a win instead of seeing this as a liability or something to overcome or something to fix? So the first thing that we do is figure out their CEO DNA. And then one of the ways that I help them to really get to know themselves and bring that into their business is we get clear on what they want. You know, so often we hear six and seven figures, which are terms that I am in the process of outlining an entire revolution around us taking those terms back because they've been really badly treated and bandied about. Um, Just like, you know, the term CEO, let's redefine that. Let's take those six-figure and seven-figure terms back because they're not bad terms. It's just how they've been used in their association. They've been manipulated a bit. So let's take those terms back and let's get clear on what do we want. So if you say you want a six-figure business, what does that look like? If you say you want a seven-figure business, well, what does that look like? Because we can say, I want a million-dollar business, and that is yet another place that we hide. We hide behind the round numbers. So if you say, I want a million-dollar business, I'm going to say, okay, well, no, no, no. Let's get clear about what that is. Whereas if someone says, listen, I want a business that makes $741,331.53. Now we got a goal. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a combination of them knowing who they are and their own and understanding their own energetic blueprint and also becoming completely unapologetic about what they want. And not everything is for everyone. You know, we we're sold this kind of bag of, tricks, if you will. Um, A lot of times in the internet marketing world, we're told, oh, well, you need to have a funnel and you need to have a low price product and you need to have a group program. And the reality is, is those things don't work for everyone. Mm -hmm. And instead of doing the press and play thing, I want to know, because I can get you to the money. It's just a matter of what is it that's going, what structure, what business model is going to get you uniquely there. Yeah, I love this, as you know, and got so much out of even that first CEO DNA session with you. I just went away going, oh my gosh, how does someone I've never met know me (laughs) more than what I felt like I knew myself in that moment? It was so, 
so wonderful and I could apply it not just to my business and my goals there, but also to my life and my relationships. It was so powerful. Thank you. I'm glad. And I walked away from that session and I've been thinking about it a lot ever since, thinking about how that work that you do around CEO DNA and the CEO mindset, how relevant it is as well to those who may have a business or don't have a business and are interested in social change and activism and how understanding how they work in terms Mm -hmm. of that mindset could really impact on their way, I guess, of making a difference in their own way. So I was curious Mm -hmm. to ask you about this and at the top of the call, which you wouldn't have heard as I recorded it separately, um, I invited everyone to pause and go to the archetypes.com website. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Find out if they don't know already what their primary archetypes are to provide some context here in case that comes up, as I suspect it will at some point. So I'm just curious to know this work that you do around CEO DNA and CEO mindset, how can that then be applied to to people who are wanting to find their way to make a difference in some way? Yeah, so this is such a good question and I'm really glad that you're asking this because, so a couple of things come up and I'm, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this question. I've got to calm down. Okay, so. <laughs> it's a big so, question too. It can like, have you racing I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. So the first, the first piece is, in order to affect change externally, so social justice work, political work, environmental change, any type of external change before you can do that, and in order to do it in a way that is healthy, and in order to do it in a way that doesn't cause harm to others, and in order to do it in a way in which it will be most efficacious to the people you are seeking to serve, it is best for you to understand yourself. And so once you understand yourself and how you think and what your triggers are and the things that you are not exactly strong at doing, it doesn't mean you then go off to fix yourself. What it means is you now walk into the support and the dreaming for others, you walk into that work knowing exactly who you are. And when you do that, you are able to say, okay, well, I know that I am a caregiver archetype, right? So you'll figure that out as you said it, archetypes.com. And that's one of the assessments that we go through with the CEO DNA process. And so you may say, okay, well, I got a strong caregiver archetype. Well, that's not uncommon in social justice work. It's not uncommon in environmental change work and social change work. And you get to then see, this is the lens. I'm seeing the world through the caregiver eyes. So what that means is you've got to take care of you before you take care of others. So when you get that care, for example, this is just an example, not every social justice person, but by and large, I work with a lot of experts in the social justice field and by and large, a preponderance of them have a strong caregiver archetype. And when you see that come through in your archetypes assessment, you know, part of what I'm going to need to do is take care of myself because I need to have reserves. And again, this goes back to now that you know who you are, you're not out here trying to save the world and you don't have reserves. That's a no-no. You want to have reserves so that not only can you give from those reserves, but you can be generous and you can give freely without concern, without worry, without resenting and thinking, oh, I'm so exhausted, but I've got to keep going and doing this social justice, social change work, but I really don't have it to give. Why not show up with a full cup? And the best way to show up with a full cup is to understand yourself and how do you fill your own cup? So that piece is so, so, so critical. The other piece of it that I want to 
say is, let's say you get uh, as you go to the archetypes website and don't get the caregiver archetype um, or the spiritual archetype. The spiritual archetype is another one that is very common with uh, people working in social justice. People want to know, well, why don't I get the advocate archetype or why don't I get the explorer archetype? And those archetypes are completely different, right? So the advocate archetype is more along the lines of the someone that would be, for, for example, like in the States, the ACLU attorneys and such. So they are going to be the ones who kind of have a bit of a, if you will, a harder legal edge than working in the community and affecting change locally and being passionate about a change. So I just want everyone to know that if you don't get that advocate archetype or that explorer archetype, it doesn't mean that you're any less of a social change agent uh, or a social justice change agent. It, it, what it means is it's you're not on the legal side of that part of it, right? And you really do care about the people. It's been my experience that people who take the archetypes assessment when they get caregiver or spiritual, they really are super invested in the people, And the advocates are super invested in the process. I don't know if that distinction makes sense, the process of affecting change. So the laws and the drawing awareness to and the whole process of change. So the advocates, the ones who get the advocate archetype, it's more of a they're involved with the process. And the spiritual and the caregivers are very, very, very close to the people. Yeah, that's interesting. I, as you know, am mostly caregiver and intellectual and I can see with hindsight how that comes together in how I'm trying mm-hmm. to create change through my research and podcasts like this and, yeah, that all pieces together. Yeah, it's, again, I can't underestimate the power of knowing yourself. I don't, it is rare I won't say always that's a thinking error, but it is rare that I pass up an opportunity to know myself even more because I always am able to then say, okay, now what does this mean for how I need to be and how I need to show up? Does this mean I need to take better care of myself? Does this mean mean I need to have different or stronger boundaries? Does this mean that I need to not engage in this type of work in my business and instead outsource that to someone else? Does this mean I need to make sure that I have a certain amount of projects that stoke my creative fire? What does this information mean? And then how do I bring that to play in the work that I do? Right? How do I how do I make sure that that shows up so that I get what I need, I get my cup filled, and then I can share what's in my cup with the people I want to support so desperately and so passionately, and I can do it without reservation, without hesitation, and without feeling put upon. Mm. Yeah, in the way that works best for you. Yeah. Once you understand someone's archetype, you get this window into their spirit and you get to see who they are. And it's almost like you now know how to relate to them. You know, this is what's going to make them pay attention, or this is the thing that's really going, you know, their currency, right? Mm -hmm. So everyone's got currency. And in my archetype, so on archetypes.com, I'm very strong. I've got royal and intellectual and visionary. Like I am all about nice spaces, nice things, having the best of everything, having a really clear, strong vision and making out and mapping a plan for it. And if I'm not careful, I can be super in my head about things, right? So visionary and intellectual. So I have to make sure that I stay grounded, Mm -hmm. right? Visionary, intellectual, that's all what we would consider upper chakra energy. And so I've got to make sure that I stay grounded So once you know your archetype, you can then see like, oh, okay, what do I need to do to make sure that I don't tip over because all this energy is happening in my head? How do I stay standing straight up? And it's it's being grounded. And then that is further supported by some other assessments that I've taken where I am 
the, the one who wants to be in the driver's seat, so to speak, right? The one who wants to be, and I tell, and it's so funny, before I started doing this kind of self-discovery, I would always say, all things being equal, I want to be the one who's in charge. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it helps me to pull, it helps me to pull back too, right? So mm-hmm. I, I, I know that I have got a very strong personality. And so sometimes I have to say to myself, you have a really strong personality. Yes, you want to share your views here, but give other people a chance to share their views. So it helps me. You would never know that observing you. It's so well integrated because you are so good at letting other people share their views. <laughs> Thank you. It's, that was not always the case. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. You're witnessing loads of work. <laughs> there you go. That's often the case though, isn't it? We don't realize it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. You touched on earlier that you have worked with a lot of people in the social justice and social change space. If it's okay, I'd love to hear a little bit about how some of them are dreaming for others. Like how are they giving back and advocating and trying to create some type of change? I suspect the listeners would be (laughs) curious to know in case there's anything there that jumps out at them and how how they could do something as well. Yeah. So one of my clients is in the process of actively changing how we think and feel about personal development. I won't give too much away, but basically personal development has become very centered on the self, on the person. And she's changing that conversation to make sure that it's inclusive and to make sure that it's intersectional So I'm very excited about that because, you know, listen, self-help is a multi-million, if not billion dollar industry. I don't know it. I've never done the research, but personal development and self-help is an extremely strong business here in the U.S. And to be heading up and wanting to change, shift the focus from just being focusing on the personal to really expanding it to what does this look like in a different way and shifting the paradigm there is extremely exciting. And uh, let's see, one of my other clients is doing an amazing job with educating and informing people about dismantling racism and white supremacy. And the work that she does is just absolutely unparalleled. It's necessary. I'm very excited about that. She's got some amazing high visibility projects coming on the radar that we're all excited about. And that's going to bring those teachings to a much, much bigger audience and a much wider level, a much higher level. And I would say another one would be another client really focuses on how to bring equity and getting rid of racism and how do you bring your own social justice edge into your practice as a coach, right? So how can you make sure that your coaching is inclusive and intersectional and that you're not just coaching from the angle of privilege? I mean, the work that these women do in the world is, it's just unreal and remarkable and unparalleled. And the fact that I get to work with them is like, whoa. And of course, then there's you, Naomi, with your dream for others work and and what that has meant. It's just, I mean, every day I wake up, I'm like, wait a minute, I get to work with these people? Wow. Like, holy mackerel. So they're, and it's, listen, they make it look easy. It's not, you know, it's work they love. Doesn't mean they don't love it. They love it. It's just, you would be surprised behind the scenes how much work it takes to hold space for people to make huge shifts. It's a lot. And, you know, one one of my mentors, I've had an amazing mentor for the past 25 years. And one of the things he said to me is, I went to an event where he spoke. 
Um, and it was an amazing presentation. Oh my gosh. But I went to this event and it was so well put together and everything flowed and it just looked like the whole thing was seamless. There was nothing. And he said, there were a lot of things that went wrong. And I said, well, you'd never be able to tell, you know? And he said, you know how many hours went into making it look like that? So whenever I see someone really showing up at a high level and their their entire operation looks daggone near seamless, I am saying to myself, I'm in awe of that person because I know how much work goes into making it look like that. Yeah. So much work and so much of yes. what you were talking about, like harnessing that that blueprint, that DNA blueprint. Yes, absolutely. And the other thing I love about what you shared there is it's the examples you gave aren't always what people typically think of when you say activist or right. social change maker. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, me too. I'm, I am all about, well, how do we change? You know, we all have work to do, right? And so I'm, you know, I'm not a social change agent. I don't, you know, do ju social justice work. I know a little bit about it, but I, that's not the work that I do. My role is to support these people so that they actually have a sustainable business that can feed their families and that can grow along with their vision and is a business that they're proud of and not only a business that makes them loads of money, but also they feel like, wow, I love this business and this business loves me back and not, I love this money. The business is okay. My clients are okay, but I kind of can't stop the business because the money is, it's really good money, but I don't like the work. That to me is, that's like a definition of hell in my opinion. I just could never imagine that. And so I'm very focused on everyone's got a job to do. Let's figure out what the job is and then let's get to doing it. And my job is not going to look like Naomi's job. And Naomi's job is not going to look like Susan's job and, you know, on and on and on. And we're, and yet we're all needed. You're very clever because you segued into my next question and partially answered it, which was around your, <laughs> <laughs> go you, which is around your role and your dream for others and how you give back and try to contribute in this way. And you've just explained that some of that is in supporting others who are doing social justice work in that way, which is so important. And I think I've seen a lot of people downplay that and yeah. tell me that they feel like they're not doing enough. And I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> that is, that is a huge role. Like you are, that is like the backbone a lot of the time in the work that those people are doing, having people there to support them and help them sustainably do what they do. Is so important. Yeah, it's it is, and 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 the thing is this, and let's like break this down a little bit. So let's just look at it for one moment. Let's remove the social justice and social change angle and just look at business. In order to do anything in business, you everything you do in as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, is done from confidence, and I mean everything. Having a sales call, you have to be confident about who you are, what you're selling, and the change that you can, the transformation that you can help them make. Doing Facebook ads, you've got to be confident about your messaging and the images that you select and whatever the thing is that you're asking them to sign up for. You've got to be confident about what your offer is. Hiring people, you've got to be confident that you have created the culture in which someone can thrive, right? I mean, just everything that you do, whether you're on stage or not, people think, oh, it's just on stage. No, it's not. Everything that you do in your business needs to come from a place of strong, strong, almost impenetrable confidence. And now you layer entrepreneurship with social justice work. And if you are not confident and if you don't have someone behind you and putting air beneath your wings and letting you know that you can do it and you know is there unconditionally for your support and you know they're going to be looking at this not 
not only from the social justice angle, but also from a profitability standpoint and making sure like, hey, you still got to run a business here. So let's make sure we, you know, look at these things over here and and make sure that you don't get swept up into the cause. Right. Because that kind of sometimes happens. That is a huge amount of confidence that that takes. It takes a huge amount of selflessness, a huge amount of courage. And I am honored that the women I work with in social justice have decided, listen, I want you to work with me. I want you to be talking to me about this because you know what this means. You know what I have to do to keep my energy reserves and, and, and keep my energy shored up every single day. And, you know, energetic hygiene for my clients that work in the social justice space, it's not optional. It's mandatory. Most, not most, all of my clients that work in social justice have an energetic hygiene practice that I have outlined with them because they need to be taking care of themselves. They need white space. They just need to be away from the, not just away from the grid, but away from the cause. It doesn't, if you step away from the cause and give yourself some time, it doesn't mean you don't love it. And so it's a, it's a matter of, of, of that. As far as, so yes, that is the one major way, right? I am working with these women and, 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 and coaching them and mentoring with them. Uh, the other way is within my own business, I make sure that I have multiple ways of working with me, right? So you can coach with me one-on-one. -on -one, you can do asynchronous coaching. If one-on-one -on -one coaching is not quite affordable for you just yet, you can do asynchronous coaching. And I do that intentionally because I know that until you can get to a profitability point within your social justice work, you need the coach, you need the community. And so another way that I, I guess I give, you could say I give back is making sure that my expertise and my knowledge and my insights and my input is completely accessible to, to, to people working in doing that work. And I mean, there are other smaller things like uh, I've been giving, I've been supporting women entrepreneurs internationally through Kiva for a number of years now. Uh, that has been uh, a mainstay of, of what I, of what I do. And I do some nonprofit work and, and things like that. Some give back things. Giving back is so important to me. It's really part of who I am. It's part of my CEO DNA. Mm. And you're so generous in how you do so, going above and beyond for your clients and everyone that you work with. And I know you treat them with things as well that they wouldn't have expected with your retreats and little bags. And yeah. you have that thoughtful touch. Oh, thank you. I just, I feel like these people show up in the world and they're always giving, 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 giving. And I want them to feel like, you know what, even if it's for the two days of the retreat, I am feeling like a boss. Like I feel like I'm in a phenomenal environment. I'm in a penthouse space in Manhattan or I'm in a penthouse overlooking the ocean in Miami. I'm, you know, I rent yachts for them. We, we all went out and incidentally, we swam with dolphins one time. It was like, literally the dolphins came while we were out there on the ocean and it was it was great. And I, I want to put these people in nice spaces and nice environments because they deserve it. They work really, they work smart, but they also work hard. It's not easy. This, the work that I do is the coaching and the community I wish I had had when I was starting my business. Yeah, well, I'm addicted. You're going to have to fire me if you want to get rid of me. <laughs> I'll have to go bankrupt or, or be fired. <laughs> well, we're not doing either. So that's, <laughs> yeah. we're keeping going. Oh, good. <laughs> Everyone hear that? It's on the record. <laughs> that's right. Oh, the other question that I was going to run by you is, I don't know if it's just that I am moving in different spaces to I used to be when I started my business, but it feels like there's a lot more talk 
these past couple of years on using your business or your platform for good and speaking up more and doing things in a more ethically or socially conscious way. Do you, have you, do you feel that way too? Like, have you observed that we're talking about these things more and are there things that you wish we'd talk about more or less? I absolutely know we are. And it's so, it's, it's, it's necessary. It's time. We are at a point in time where the things that used to be, I don't want to say acceptable, but brushed under the rug are no longer being brushed under the rug. And we have the technology now that in terms of the interconnectedness, we have that technology that keeps us connected. So it's very easy for someone in Japan to find out what's going on in the U.S. or for someone in uh, in Australia to find out what's going on in South America. It's very easy to know on a detailed level because of video and, you know, everyone's got unlimited bandwidth for the most part. And, you know, people are starting to see injustices around the world and everyone is taking this, uh, not everyone, a lot of people are taking this very seriously and saying, you know what, it doesn't matter that I have freedoms if other people are not also free. And I'm just, I love it. I love it. I love the conversation. Again, it's not my work, direct work to do. And that's what I would want to, I don't know, I'd want to change or do more or less of. I just wish people would see that you don't have to walk out in your front yard and confront your racist neighbor. Like, you you know, listen, if that's your work to do, then rock on, do it. But it doesn't have to look like that. You know what I mean? Um, I remember this one story online and someone mentioned that they were sitting next to someone and there was some really bad racist rhetoric that someone in at the next table was saying and um and she just didn't know what to do and she didn't know what to say and i said you know next time that happens just say to the server i'd like to be reseated please i don't dine next to racists and that's just like your way of just you know you don't have to get into it with the person. You just let the management know, listen, this is who you're attracting in here. This is the conversation that's happening at the next table. And I'm not pleased about this. So I want to be reseated, you know, and you do do things in your way, in your time and in your space. And don't try to delve into areas in which that you're not healed, that where you need to do work. And that may mean that you don't do anything at all except your work and doing your work is enough. You know, doing your work helps other people. And in the process of doing your work, you'll start to realize like, oh, no, 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 no. you can't say that about so-and-so. You can't, you know, talk about LGBTQIA people in this way. You can't make fun of someone if they want or question someone's choice to use different pronouns or no pronouns. When I was a little girl, I was a, a tattletale. And I would always tell on my cousins, I've got 32 co- first cousins. We have a huge family. And I would always tell on my cousins, and you know, she's not doing her chores and she's not doing this and blah, blah, blah. blah. And my mom and my grandmother both would say to me, Lena, if you would just mind your business, just mind your business. Don't worry about what somebody else is doing. Don't keep coming to us, telling us what so-and-so is doing. Just mind your business. Everything will work itself out. And I take that to heart now, even still. And so I would invite everyone, just mind your business. And that doesn't mean don't get involved. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, even if right now all you can do, quote unquote, is to work on you, do that. Because in minding your business, you are helping. Because you, you're you not signing up to do work that you're not, you've not done your work around yet. When you sign up to do work or you get out there and you start to do work or try to do work, that you've not done your work around, you cause more problems than you do good. So I just would want everyone to understand and know that the work doesn't always look like confrontation and protesting. And I don't do protests. I'm an empath, I'm an HSP, 
And I don't do that work because of how it impacts me physiologically. And so I choose to make my stand in social justice in other ways. Yeah, I'm much the same. And as you were talking then, if if I do feel that I need to confront someone or speak up, I think the intellectual in me rears its head because I want to feel confident that I know what I'm talking about before I go there in that way. So that's probably why I end up doing a lot of courses and trainings in the social justice space because it helps me feel a bit more supported if I am going to step out and say something. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And interesting that you mentioned as well being an HSP and an empath and you're an introvert too, aren't you, to people's surprise sometimes? (laughs) Yeah, because if you're talking to me about something that I'm passionate about, I will talk forever in a day. Mm-hmm. But if you're like making small talk or weather, I'm like, how do I get out of here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, when I go and I take my recycling out, I make sure that I do it late at night so that I don't have to encounter my neighbors. <laughs> and I mean, it's not like I don't like them. It's just I don't want to do the small talk thing because I, I can't. My idea of personal hell is being at a networking event. I, I can't. I just, it's so, dr- I come home from those things and I am just, I can barely get in the shower and go to bed. I just barely have enough energy to unplug myself from the event. And it's, <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah. Um, and even you. with all the, even with all the, you know, energetic hygiene stuff that I know from being empathic, it's still, it's still tough. Yeah. I feel you. I feel that way even with kids, birthday parties, <laughs> anywhere where there's a group of people that I don't Let me really tell know. you. Are they not disaster? <laughs> and it's like you think to yourself, hey, this is a child's birthday party. Come on, like get it together. Mm-hmm. I cannot take them. I just I I show up to them and I I try to I show up and I stay for a few minutes and then I have to leave. I children's birthday parties are just we gotta come up with something else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering. With the HSP, empath, introvert card, how do you or what would you recommend to others who are working in this social change or want to work in this space in some way and might be a HSP, empath, introvert or might be feeling stress or overwhelm or activism burnout coming on, which we know is very common. What would you have to say to them? It sounds like the energetic hygiene mm-hmm. is important. Uh, yeah. What, was there anything you would like to say around that or anything else when it comes to being able to sustainably do what they do? Yes. So I'm so glad that you're asking this. So I definitely want people to know, yes, I'm, I'm empathic. I'm an introvert. I'm an HSP and I'm also clear cognizant. So for those who don't know what that is, is if I'm not careful, I can, if someone shakes my hand or if I'm around someone for an extended period, or if I touch a belonging of theirs, I'll just get an imprint of what's going on with them. And it's a thing. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's commonly known as claircognizance. So I'm extremely sensitive to energies. If I have a disagreement with someone in my family, it impacts me for anywhere from 24 to 48 hours after the disagreement, even after everything is all smoothed over, my energy is still rattled for some time after. And I say all that to say, If you're listening and that's you, I trust me, I get where you're coming from. And I want the person listening who, who that, who's, who's also like me, I want them to know that I understand who they are and what they're up against. And so, yes, energetic hygiene is critical. It is important and it is not even a suggestion. It's, it's simply mandatory. Also, again, this goes into knowing who you are, right? Mm -hmm. So at one point, I thought I was just an introvert. 
And it was like, oh no, I'm an extreme introvert. And then I started to do more work and I realized, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm empathic. Okay. I'm picking up on people's stuff. And then it was like, no, I'm not just picking up on people's emotions. I'm also picking up on facts about them that there would be no way of me. They haven't told me, I don't know these people. There would be no way of me knowing. So then that's where the claircognizance came in. And then finally I realized, okay, well, I don't like bright lights. I don't like a whole lot of noise. And then that's when the HSP things came in. So knowing myself and adding those layers I now know how to be in the world. Mm -hmm. I now know that just as much as I love being on stage, once I leave, once I leave the stage and I'm done with shaking hands and kissing babies, (laughs) I need to go to my hotel suite and completely decompress, not just for an hour and, you know, go down to the bar and have drinks with people. I cannot do that. Once I'm done, I'm done. So what that means for me is, I've got to change my travel schedule oftentimes, right? And so I ask for what I want. You know, I'm not going to get off the plane and come and speak on your stage. I need to arrive the day before. So a lot of this is knowing who you are because once you know how you roll, you can then teach people how to treat you. And that is just as important as energetic hygiene teaching people how to treat you and saying, you know what, actually, that's not going to work for me. How about this? This is going to work for me. And this isn't about being a diva. This isn't about having things all your way. It's about not trivializing the energetic support that you need in order to affect change in the world, however you affect change in the world. So energetic hygiene is important, understanding who you are, asking for what you need, and also continuing to to learn about how people are. I study people like you wouldn't even believe. There are times where I will just go and I'll sit at a park and I'm just sitting there and I'm sipping on my chai latte, not from Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm, and I'm just observing people and I'm observing their behavior. And I understand a lot about how humans operate and what they have tendencies to do and tendencies to not do. And that helps me manage myself. So I would say those are, are, are three things that I would highly recommend to how you can take care of yourself. When you are able to discern, uh, one of my spiritual elders always told me, pray for discernment, ask for discernment. When you are able to discern, you are able to manage how you show up amongst what you've discerned. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I completely resonate with everything pretty much that you just said. (laughs) As, As someone who's an extreme introvert, HSP empath as well. I've had to do and am constantly tweaking all those things that you Mm -hmm. just said, even down to, and I know a lot of people struggle with this, down to remaining informed but not completely, yeah, going off on the deep end because I've read so much bad news in one day. So I've had to set up little boundaries and energetic hygiene practices around that because being informed is important to me. I don't want to completely not be up to date on what's happening in the world. But at the same time, in the past, I've read articles and then have been wiped out for days, obsessive, like just obsessive Mm -hmm. about it and completely burnt out and unable to do anything else because of something I read in the news. (laughs) Yeah. It's like I was talking to someone earlier before we started this interview, and I don't watch traditional television. And you're right, I haven't watched news in years or read a newspaper in years. But I was telling someone about some story that came on a YouTube channel I was watching, and it was a story about how a dog was being mistreated. And I just, I can't watch that stuff. I just can't. Yeah. I, I cannot, it will stay with me for just days after. I cannot do that. I have to very I have to be very careful about how I disagree with people and the way in which disagreements happen and the energy and the energetics but it's just it's a, it's a whole thing for me it, it truly is and 
it is managing your intake on everything, even food, Naomi, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I get this weird hyper sensitive feeling when I don't have enough greens in my body. I have to, I am someone, I have to have greens every single day. I don't care if it's in a smoothie or a salad. If I go even a day or two without greens, I am off whack. Mm, Same. I get cranky. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. And when you're, when you care about social justice type issues, being cranky is not always the the best way to always be. Exactly. <laughs> it's a difference between anger and cranky because you didn't eat your greens. <laughs> exactly. Mm. I agree totally. And one of the other things that I've noticed about you is that you seem to be a spiritual person and it's not something you might always advertise, but I see little touches of mm-hmm. this spiritual mindset, I guess, yeah. flowing through to your work and your relationships and your spaces. I'm intrigued to know whether, first, that's a correct assumption or observation, <laughs> <laughs> and second, how that shapes the work that you do or uh, your beliefs around dreaming for others and social change, if at all. Yeah, I am. So you're right. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Um, I am definitely a a spiritual person. I have a very, very strong spiritual foundation. And I think what that has allowed, what, what that's done for me is I am not too invested in what others think of me in terms of, you know, public opinion and whether somebody likes me or doesn't like me or, you know, what's the saying? If you let them make you, they'll, you'll let them break you, that kind of a thing. And I'm instead more concerned with how, what esteem my spiritual and familial elders hold me in. And that's more important to me than anything. So I'm in constant contact with my spiritual elders and my familial elders And it's the thing that keeps me grounded. I remember one time I was on the cover of a pretty big magazine here in the U.S. And we did the photo shoot for the cover. And they sent us a proof the month before the magazine actually hit the the newsstands. And I remember I went to my parents' house and I showed them and I says, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm on this magazine. And so we all celebrated and my mom called our extended family in different states and we all celebrated. And on my way out, my mom handed me the trash and she said, by the way, take the trash out when you go. And I thought, can I just be a celebrity for one day? (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) Exactly. No. She's like, you need to not believe your own press. <laughs> like, thanks a lot. <laughs> that's, it's, it's really rich, that is. It's, that says that, listen, we're really proud of you, but nothing, how, how we treat you is not going to change. And, and, and it's those types of funny stories that are very real and very much, very, keep me grounded in a way. And I do believe that spirituality and social justice are connected because people always say to me, especially people who work in social justice and social change, they say, I can help everyone else. How come I, how come I can't help myself? How come I can't get myself out of certain predicaments? And I said, well, if you could, you wouldn't need to talk to anyone else. And I've got this kind of 50,000 foot viewpoint on social justice social change and spirituality and the interrelations between those, uh, those three. And it's that we do that work because we care about others. And it's the way that we show we care about others, because if we could do the work for ourselves that we do for other people, we wouldn't interact with other people. And so it's our way of, as humans, of keeping in touch with one another, of respecting one another, and of valuing one another. And I think social justice, part of its purpose is connecting people. Mm. And, and me seeing the humanity in someone else 
that doesn't look like me or doesn't speak my language or is, lives in a different country or has different cultural norms or different religious norms. And so I think that I think they're connected in that way, which is a pretty kind of esoteric out there. But that's that's how I tend to think about things. I think about things from a very much a worldview standpoint. Mm. And it's it's what keeps us together. I completely agree and think about things in that way too. And it trickles down and impacts everything else. Is that the visionary archetype in us? Probably. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I didn't, I don't think I mentioned that at the start, but that's my, for those who are listening, that's my third archetype if you've done the quiz. Nice. So finally, what's next for you and your work and how can everyone connect with you and support what you do? Yeah, so later this year, I'm going to be launching a program for people working in social change and social justice to help them to navigate some of the business aspects and making sure that my business acumen is even more accessible to people who want to kind of go more of a self-directed route and take themselves through, you know, sometimes when you're, you have a business and you're working in social justice through that business, once you start understanding how business works, you then realize like, whoa, I've got to unpack and remove some of the walls in here to make a clear sight line to profitability. You know, I've got to take some things down in order to really build a stronger base for the cause. And so that's what's coming up for me. I'm really excited about it. It's not something that I'm pushing. It's something that I'm happy to say is happening quite organically. And I'm working with one of the preeminent coaches in the world around course creation, a guy named Greg Eiler. And Greg Eiler is from Build Great Courses, and he's phenomenal. This guy was an instructional designer from Nike and Oakley Oakley sunglasses. I mean, I don't know what I did to get Greg on my side, but (laughs) he's helping me build a world-class course. And I'm really very, very excited about it. And anyone who wants to catch up with me, I have not had a proper website in five years because my work is by referral only. My coaching work is by referral only. And right now that's the best way to work with me. So if anyone wants to reach out or just say hi, it's all good. You don't have to inquire about work with me if that's not what you're up to. But you can drop me a line on Facebook. I'm facebook.com forward slash Lena West. All one word, no spaces, no dots, no hyphens. Facebook.com forward slash Lena West. Fantastic. I'll include that in the show notes too. So people can easily say, hi, I loved your episode. Yeah, Yeah, drop in, say hi. I'm actually really social online, so don't worry about that. (laughs) I think you're very, yeah, I was just thinking you feel very social to me, but then I haven't been at a kid's birthday party with you or at a networking event. Or a networking event. Or a protest, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But thank you. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your brilliance with us. I cannot wait to hear what people think and what comes up for them when they listen in. So please let us know once you've listened. Yeah, thank you so much for asking me to be on this podcast. I love what you do, obviously. Um, and I'm, I too, I'm very excited. I would love to hear feedback about this or if it brings up any questions, drop me a line, send send me a message on Facebook. Thank you for listening to the Dream for Others podcast. For episode notes, further inspiration and access to my award-nominated free resources, please visit naomiarnold.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you would please subscribe, leave a review in iTunes or share it wide and far. If you want to more deeply connect with other folk who are dreaming for others, please head on over to my website, visit the podcast page and click on the link to our Dream for Others Ambassadors community. For as little as $1 per month, this community is helping me fund this podcast so I can continue to bring the free episodes to the public featuring inspiring folk who are making a difference. 
In return, we have a private Facebook group, quarterly calls, free gifts, bonuses and resources, and are uniting as a small community to support each other in our dream for others. We would love if you would join us. In the meantime, let's continue to dream for others and I'll talk to you soon.